Hello, welcome back to Unexplained Oregon. Hello, Christine. Hi, Kim. How are you? I'm so good. I'm happy to be back. We're going to have a fun episode today. We thought we would talk about urban legends a little bit today. (laughs) Specifically ones from Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this is going to be kind of a hodgepodge episode. We're going to talk about a lot of different things. But yeah, we thought we would just uh, talk about urban legends today. And before we do that, we wanted to say thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in today and listening. And uh, keep emailing us your stories. We have uh, our Gmail account, unexplained Oregon. Yes. I check that baby every day. We have a Twitter, but we don't tweet, but we will someday if you start tweeting us. So (laughs) please do that. We have a Facebook page. We know we're lacking in this area, but we uh, hopefully are going to get better with that whole aspect of it. This was just a fun goal for us to put this podcast out there. So our next goal is to get better with our social media, right? Oh, I'm I'm getting good at it, Kim. In fact, I'm super excited because we have connected with another podcast, Anxious and Afraid. Uh, Very and exciting. Listen to them. Yes. Yeah. Um. Actually, the podcast we have, we've made friends in the podcast world. Woohoo! Yay! It's official. We have friends. <laughs> we have friends. And we actually, have friends. The podcast world, surprisingly. They're, they're so friendly. Like, uh, a few of them have reached out and they're a very supportive group and, um, it's just kind of fun and anxious and afraid. They're actually from Oregon. So there's a huge connection there, I feel. And definitely. Uh, yeah. So definitely everyone needs to check out that podcast, anxious and afraid. They just covered one actually on South Eugene High School and mm-hmm. I have been in that gym before and thought creepy things as I was sitting there. Like, this is a creepy place. So everybody needs to listen to that. We also, at the end of this uh, episode, will have another listener story. Whoop, whoop. Stay tuned for that. So excited. Yeah, so... We took a little break for a while. We've been working on some cases we're really excited about. We had kind of wrapped up what I'm calling the strangest summer of our lives. It just seemed to drag on. And then right when we were getting like okay with summer and maybe feeling good, our whole state caught on fire. And that's how our summer ended. It was just really crazy if you experienced any kind of drama with those organ fires I feel for you it was just really strange and unexpected don't you think unexpected for sure and you know I think we were already dealing with like the impact of COVID and just kind of how that has like played a part in and how we're living our daily lives and it's impacted you know a lot of of how we're doing things. And like you said, it, it, we had like the strangest summer. And then all of a sudden these fires just kind of came out of nowhere. And yeah, I remember that first day emailed or I think I, we Marco Polo each other. We send little videos back and forth and 
just kind of sent you a message and said, what is going on out there? Like, you know, at first you hear it's the wind that brought all these embers. And then throughout the day you hear people are setting these fires. And I just remember sending you a message going, I don't know what's going on right now or if I should be scared. And you actually calmed me down. You were just like, it's okay. You know, it's definitely what's going on out there is environmental, you know, and our, our state is on fire because, you know, we've had a dry summer and just, I mean, I definitely, your message did help me because, we're already stuck in our house, houses, quarantined, and our information is coming from, you know, I hate to say it, my Facebook feed. Like, I will go yeah. and look at my Facebook feed, and I really am trying not to do that. It just, you can really go into some kind of weird rabbit hole and get scared. For sure. Yeah. So, those fires. Well, I, I mean, we had the... You know, I had the news on, I had, I was acting like I did not realize how scary it was. And we got to level two evacuation and had our, our bags packed. I mean, I pulled out, I have photos set aside in certain places because of places we've lived in the past where I've had to have things ready to go. And I mean, we had everything by the door. We had a plan for our families. Like it was not a joke. We saw... Like the embers of the fire and the glow and the light and, um, you know, places were evacuated around here. And we've seen pretty much a, a little local town here was devastated. Devastated. Taken out completely. Talent, Oregon. I just, I can't yeah. even imagine. Have you had a chance to drive down that mm-hmm. area? Is it open now to where you can see? Oh, so sad. Yeah. You know, I, I think what I know is that people were like sneaking in there the whole time to either get back to their homes or to get belongings or to get medication, to get their animals, to get other people's animals that had been trapped there. I heard all sorts of stories, but so there were videos out there already on Facebook, but to drive, we drove through there last weekend, mm-hmm. um, the road, the highways actually open through that area now, and it literally is devastated like it's shocking it's like your brain can't even wrap wrap your you can't even fathom it it doesn't make sense exactly while it was going on I mean like I had a couple co-workers that had to evacuate their homes and you always see those fires on the news and you know in California, Southern California where every summer the whole in Australia yeah and and I and, and I always oh think when I watch that, kind of just like ah, oh, that would suck, you know. I I never, I guess, really thought about it until it was right in our back door, and I had people in my life that were affected by it, you know. And so, luckily, my friends have a big trailer that they could just start loading their stuff into. But, yeah. uh, you know, there was a lot of people that lost their homes up in the little town of Blue River, I think, was another place that was completely torn out. And, you know, a lot of people lost their homes. It just put a really weird end to the weirdest summer of our lives. It really did. Well, and as I look outside right now, Kim, honestly, it's still hazy. Mm-hmm. So there is still some fire going on somewhere which could be down in California it could be who knows right like we are 
This is going to be an ongoing thing in our area. And I I think we really realized that this summer that we were all really drastically impacted by it. And and if not our own home, someone we know, right? Someone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I also want to say that our communities all came together. I heard some amazing stories of how people helped other people and it's continuing to happen. So that has come out of this. That is a good thing. And I was, I was thinking the same thing, like now would be a really good time to go through my house and like donate things and Mm -hmm. Uh, do what I can. I really don't have the time to volunteer uh, because of my busy day job, but definitely could probably clear out a lot of things that I'm not needing that maybe someone else does. And I know there's a lot of volunteer distribution centers around everywhere where you can drop off your donations. I think I might do that actually this weekend. Go through some things and just drop off you know I do that usually once a year I'll drop it off at Goodwill or whatever but I think now I will find uh, a distribution center and donate some stuff it's so sad just to think I mean you lose everything like you said my mind goes to I would probably save my pictures our because when we when we were younger our pictures were pictures and yeah. negatives like you if those are gone they're gone like you now you can back them up on your cloud but the pictures we have and they're, they're, it really caused me to look at what was important. And what I found out was I would have left a lot of really important things behind because I had literally, you know, a very short time Window. frame to gather. Yeah. yeah. So that being very said, nice. I want to say, Kim, that right now on top of the fires, there's also, you know, a lot of things happening in the news, a lot of political unrest, a lot of things revolving COVID diagnosis. I won't maybe say our president was just diagnosed with it. So I'm just going to say wear a mask. Yes, please. Definitely. And also it's real. It's really real. And if you can't donate things because you're busy or because you need what you have at home and you don't have a lot of extra to donate, there's, there are ways to help, right? Like, um, I feel really busy and really, I wasn't able, I had fellow coworkers that went and volunteered yeah. um, to help at the expo here. That's where they've lodged a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And there were colleagues of mine going and, and donating time. And I felt kind of guilty, but you know what? I've donated money here and there when I can. And it's a little bit, it's not a lot, but if I see something that I think is valuable and is legitimate, yeah. I donate a couple bucks. So I think the key, Kim, is to finding something that works for you and your lifestyle yes. that you can do that makes sense, right? Yep, for sure. Every little bit helps. Yeah. And the last thing we want to do is beat up on ourselves during this time. But there is a lot going on. And I think you and I are on here today. We want this We want this episode to be fun, right? A little and bit we more want it to be. Yes. <laughs> Before, God, we, before we talk about the fun urban <laughs> legends, we I would do have a scare uh, just a, a missing person case I'm gonna throw out there. Only because okay. my mind went to him because of the fires for sure, because this young boy went missing in our area right before this happened and he still hasn't been found. His name is Michael Bryson, and I'm sure you've heard about this case. Maybe you haven't. I've heard that they're having a hard time generating some media 
for this young man, but we're just going to briefly talk about this case just a little bit, throw it out there and um, let you know what's going on here because it is something that's unexplained and it happened in Oregon. And um, it's scary. Like I said, his name is Michael Bryson. There is a Facebook page out there and it's called Let's Find Michael Bryson. I encourage you to go to it. There's also a local journalist in our area. His name is Rick Dancer, and he has a YouTube channel out there, and um, I really enjoy him. He's had... Okay, wait. Hmm. Is he... Because I've started following him, too. Is, does he look like a model to you? Am I, like, off on that? Am I, am I watching the same person? Rick Dancer? He was a journalist. He's a local journalist in the Eugene area. I know he used to be on KEZI. <clears throat> that's how I got to know him. Okay. So that, so maybe it probably is the same person. He's easy to watch. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> he, he's had Parrish and Tina Bryson, the parents of Michael on his show right okay. from the get go, like right at the beginning of his disappearance. And he's had, he's had them on a few times. So, Michael was 27 years old. Is it the same person? Have you seen Rick's show? Yeah, I'm following him now on, I was on Facebook, but it says get real with Rick Dancer. Yes. And I'm there just like, it, you're right. He's not hard to watch. We'll right. just say that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's hard not to get real. Yes. Okay. It's hard not to get real with him. So Michael was 27. He's from Eugene, Oregon. He was last seen on August 3rd. He showed up at his parents' house in Harrisburg, Oregon, and told them that he was headed to Hobo Camp Campground near Dorena Lake. And uh, we know that he was definitely there at the campground on Monday and Tuesday because he was, it, it, I, from what I'm gathering, it was a rave situation. It's been a while since I partied people, so obviously I didn't know there was, like, <laughs> traveling raves that happen in the forest. I guess I should, but, uh, yeah, sounds like people bring their sound systems out there, and they have a DJ going on, and, and they have what's called a rave out there. I didn't know that this was happening, but... What? Did you? Kim, where have you been? Okay. I mean, I was I'm just sure. out one last weekend. <laughs> I'm okay? sure it's been I happening forever. I to tell you. I, I just, I've never been to a rave party out <laughs> in the forest. So he was definitely there because he was seen on stage with the DJ. Basically, by that next morning, he was gone. And they don't know, it was reported that he walked away from the campsite at 4.30 a.m. And that was the last time anyone has ever seen them. Unfortunately, Parrish and Tina weren't informed that Michael was gone until 5 p.m. that night. So there were some hours there where Michael had gone missing and then no one knew. And so by the time his parents got to the campground, a lot of the camp partygoers, what have you, had cleared out of the campsite. And really sad. It's just sad that there are reports, and I don't know if it was his actual friend group that saw him walk away or whoever, you know, it was just reported that some people there saw him walk out of this camper and walk out of the campsite. 
leaving everything behind. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and my mind goes to, if it was your friend and you saw him walk away, why do you let your friend walk away? Like, uh, my mind went to Natalie Holloway, that girl in Aruba. Do you remember where they were there yeah. on their high school trip and her friends, she got into the car with Jorn Vandersloot and his two friends and her <laughs> friends waved goodbye to her, you know, and let her drive away. It was like, Ugh. I just can't stress enough that if you are out there at a rave situation or a party or you're with a friend, buddy up with someone and make sure that that person knows where you were at at all times. Like, it, it's ridiculous to me that he just walked away and friends were I mean, there. I don't know. I know. And I don't get it either. I mean, there's a lot of cases where this you hear like that the person got separated. And I think what happens is people are partying, people are drinking, people are not when you're young and your inhibitions are down and you've been drinking and, and I get it. I just, just know that before you go out to a party and you're inebriated, if you, you know, have someone there that's with you, have a buddy there with you. I just, ugh. Yeah. Bugs the shit out of me. So. Well, and a lot of times people walk off to go to the bathroom. And so maybe, you know, by the time someone noticed he hadn't come back, you know, and maybe that. Yeah. Anyway, just throwing that out there. Could what's, have been bathroom break. I mean, it could have been a bathroom break. And what's horrible is that no one really knows because that is basically all the information they have. He left mm-hmm. and he's gone. They spent 19 days at this campsite, camped up there and looking. I know we're talking about a young boy who was probably partying. Okay. There was reportedly been drugs at this campground that weekend or whatever. And bringing this back. And we kind of talked about this with Leona. Like it doesn't matter. This was a person with passion. He, he has a family. He had, he had, was talking about becoming an electrician. He loved music. He had been on two mission trips as a youth. I mean, this, yes, he was probably partying and put himself in this situation, but that doesn't negate the fact that he is missing and he's gone and he is someone to someone. So, uh, it's just really sad to me. Yeah. I'm so glad we're covering this case because it, it popped up on my Facebook right away. I had multiple people sharing this story. Yeah, I, I definitely saw, I mean, we're going on almost 60 days here and we don't know okay. anything. So at first I think it did. I remember I was actually camping at Dorena Lake the Monday after he went missing. Cause I remember I would get up really early in the morning and go sit at the lake. I remember praying for him that week at the lake actually every morning. Um, and just the fact that he's still missing, horrible. Mm-hmm. So Michael had some distinctive tattoos going on. He had some t- t- tattoos on his lower legs, his ribs, his the back of his arm. He was six foot, two inches tall, 180 pounds. He had short brown hair and hazel eyes. If you've seen the picture of this kid, he had the prettiest smile and just... You know, there's flyers everywhere. I'm sure you've seen one, but his smile lights up the room. You can just tell. Uh, yeah. 
He was last seen wearing a white shirt and tan shorts, white Crocs with rainbows. He might be wearing a brown corduroy baseball cap. If you have any information, you're encouraged to contact Lane County Sheriff's Office at 541-682-4150. And definitely pick, watch him on Rick's, Rick Dancer's show there. Uh, it's worth watching. There's, I've seen some strange stuff going on on the Facebook page for him where people are going down ripping, ripping down his flyers. Like they've what? seen, I know it's really strange. They've, there's been a couple, there was even, um, someone videotaping someone ripping down his flyers. So they were having a hard time keeping those flyers up. I don't know what that's about, but if we could generate a little bit of energy and word out there from Michael, then that's what I want to do today. And, uh, hopefully for sure we can do that. Okay, and we'll definitely post on our Instagram and Facebook the flyer or any photos that we can put on. And yeah, I mean, like you said, his smile, right? Looks pretty, like, contagious. Very, yeah. um, He sounds like a nice guy. I mean, let's not think about why he was up at the rave. Let's not think about that. Let's, at this point, think about, you know, where he could be. It's sure, really sad sure. watching And stop parents. pulling down the flyers, people. That's I know. Rude. It's like, come on, are you freaking kidding me? So we're going to switch gears a little bit. We wanted to just talk about some urban legends. Basically, we were through this out there a couple weeks ago that we would maybe cover this and both said, hey, think about some urban legends going on in Oregon. And we found this weird, I don't know if it's weird. The more and more I read about it, the more and more I don't believe about believe it. But it's called Polybius. Have you heard about it? Polybius? Polybius. <laughs> I've heard a little bit about it, and it was recommended by someone. So I, I was like, let's, let's, look, let's into look into it. this and see what we can so find basically, out. So basically, in 1981 in Oregon, a bunch of arcades were popping up, right? I mean, I remember every time we went out to go get pizza, I would go straight to the Pac-Man game that was at the Pizza Parlor, right? I mean, it was like, there's games popping up. Yeah, Donkey Kong and Pac-Man and Super Mario Brothers, all those fun things. And in 1981, there were all these arcades popping up everywhere. And it said that... This mysterious game appeared <laughs> in the arcades in Portland, Oregon, called Polybius. And it was described as being a very addictive game with lines forming. And it wasn't in the arcades for very long. It was also said that the men in black were visiting these arcades, recording the information <laughs> After people were playing with them. And what was reportedly happening was kids were playing this game. And after uh, playing it, they were becoming ill. They would suffer from amnesia, insomnia, night terrors, hallucinations. In in one Mm. account, there was a child that had a seizure after playing the game. Really, basically, the story goes that after this happened, the men in black came in and confiscated all of the games, and they were taken out, and no one ever saw them again. Okay? So, 
that takes us to the early 2000s, right? Actually, I think it was later than that. 2006, people started putting out their stuff on the internet and you could easily definitely put something out there and it would gain traction, right? Mm -hmm. And so what Mm -hmm. happened was Stephen Roach, a gentleman, posted something on the internet claiming that he was one of the original programmers of Polybius. Cool. He was hired by a company to develop this game, and he describes them developing this game for Slinislosion, I think it was called. After they developed it, a boy got experienced an epileptic seizure after playing it, and the company got really scared and pulled out the game. So he kind of backed up this whole Polybius thing and put it out there. And that's where our story kind of gained traction. And I think people really got hooked into it because of the men in black theory. Mm. It was said out there at that point that maybe the government put this game out there to develop mind control and that they were, they had put it mm. out there and they were using it to actually find the highly intelligent people that could solve these forming lines in this game and shit. Basically, I mean, after reading about it, there are probably kernels of truth to this story, right? We do know there were arcades in Portland. They were getting popular in 1981. We do know that kids probably did stay there all day and end up getting sick by looking at those screens, you know? Up until that point... Had we ever, you know, I mean, now our kids are so used to looking at the screen all day, right? But what are the effects of, you know, maybe that they they were getting sick from playing in the arcades? There was one other story I found around the time the FBI was investigating a specific arcade up in the Portland area for tax reasons. There was some kind of investigation going on. So... It is said that maybe people did see, like, tie in the FBI with this, with the arcade game. Okay, so they saw the FBI there, but maybe the FBI was, you know, investigating the taxes. It had nothing to do, or I don't know if it was taxes, it was some kind of case they were investigating. And then I also, (laughs) this is funny, I did read something on Reddit. You have to really take everything with a grain of salt there, but and the guy was like, I do remember the game in the arcade. I do remember someone coming in getting the arcade, but it was on Halloween. (laughs) So those people that came could have been dressed up as men in black, right? Like, that was his theory. So, I mean, like every urban legend, I feel like It probably wasn't a thing, but ended up being, you know, this story that just kind of went out of control. And what people do is they take one little thing and then they just run with it. And throughout the years, it just compounds and compounds and compounds. You know, it's been on The Simpsons. So it's like a reference to it. It's inspiring new arcade game, new uh, games now that you can get. There are a bunch of names called Polybius now, I guess. So it's just kind of interesting. It got me thinking why people are fascinated with urban legends. 
And, Mm -hmm. you know, what is happening today, actually, that you would think would become an urban legend? Like, is there something now, like, is John Bonet going to become an urban legend like Lizzie Borden has, right? I mean, you hear about Lizzie Borden, how she chopped off her family's head, right? That's been a story that's throughout... Is, I mean, what, what's happening? She did not chop off their heads, Kim. What is the story there? That but then... will make this an urban legend because this exactly. is how they get made. Exactly. So what, is there a story now that we think will someday become an urban legend? Like what, you know, I mean, there, the potential is out there because of the internet. People will just post anything and get it out there, you know? Oh, I don't know. That's a really, really good question. Yeah, one to think about for sure. So I did, I did a little bit of investigating and I found some other urban legends. I found a couple that are not Oregon. Okay. These are not Oregon, but they, but I thought that they were interesting that I had never heard about because we have talked about Bigfoot. We did an episode on Bigfoot. He's a huge Mm -hmm. urban legend. Like, and, and do we believe in him? Like, uh, there's so many stories out there and it's hard to believe in it and why we get sucked into it, right? But I found, so I went out there and kind of typed in urban legends and I found a couple that I had never heard of and I don't think you've heard of these either, okay? <laughs> okay, give them to <laughs> One me. Of, okay, actually, this is uh, based off of Native American lore and... There's one called the Idaho Water Babies. Have you heard about the Idaho Water Babies? I've never heard of the Idaho Water Babies. Neither had I. Okay. So they're believed to be ghosts of children that the starving people of the Shoshone tribe drowned in the river, choosing death over starvation which is sad and horrible to think about. Yeah, really, really horrible. So uh, some say that the babies were drowned, and you can still sit at the rocks at Massacre Rock State Park. There's There's really a state park called Massacre Rocks State Park, I guess, and you can hear, it's said, the cries of babies. I don't know if it's true. I don't know if anyone has heard these cries, but... It's out there. There is another legend that the Idaho water babies actually aren't ghosts, but that they adapted gills and they are, they're, they're living underwater and they're ready to attack people. Mm-hmm. Crazy. There is a Utah creature that is out there that's kind of the same long with the water baby a type of dwarf that lived in the lake and it can mimic crying babies to drown unexpecting people. I had never heard of these oh things. Now every time I go to the lake, I'm going to be like, Oh, was that, was that a baby? Like what, you know, is that a water baby? <laughs> is that a water baby? I hear. Yeah. I had never, I had is never heard of baby? those kind of crazy. And then I ran across the Bandage Man of Cannon Beach. Have you heard of him? <laughs> um, no. This is an Oregon one. 
And this is okay. really interesting because you can basically, it was adapted in the 50s and 60s. And what they basically think was to, so people wouldn't go park in their cars. So teenagers wouldn't go park in their cars. Okay. There was this reported sighting of this bandaged man that would come and attack you if you were sitting parked in your car. There's a couple of reports out there that a couple was making out in their truck and this weird bandage man jumped in the back of their truck and was shaking their truck and then they turned around and he was gone. There's been a couple sightings of this bandage man, supposedly, where people see him and... um some think that he was maybe a, he's the ghost of a logger that was hit and that was bandaged up before the paramedics took them. I don't know. Another weird ghost story. Who knows if the bandage man of Cannon Beach is a true thing, but it is an urban legend out there. What do you think? Okay, wait. So that's funny that the bandage man aligns with my urban legend because, oh. or it kind of relates to it so do you want me to tell you what mine is yes okay so we were talking about like what are urban legends that we've heard of or that we kind of go to or think of and so I was thinking like of course Bloody Mary comes into my mind because she's sort of an infamous urban legend that I am too fucking afraid to find out is true or not you never did it find me I oh mean, I think probably you and I did it at some point, and then I crapped my pants. Because I probably forced I just... you to do it. I was like, tonight we're doing Bloody Mary. I mean, I would rather just drink a Bloody Mary at this point. Yes. I have no time or tolerance to try to conjure up this woman in the mirror so that she can come back and kill me later. It's I know. just not True. okay. I do remember doing it, though. My urban legend, actually, um, when I was thinking about the one that is, like, my go-to one that I remember from, like, being a small kid and, like, hearing this story for the first time, which I think it was, like, right before I went to bed, probably, because I remember thinking about this and being freaked out. But it's actually about, like, the classic urban legend that we've all heard of where like the couple is driving home late at night yeah tell me if you've heard this one kim and um the car breaks down and or i.e one of them has to go to the bathroom and they pull off on the side of the road and it's in a pretty isolated area and the boyfriend goes and walks off and has to go get help or You know, I've heard different variations of it, but the girl, of course, decides that she should stay behind in Mm -hmm. the vehicle. I'm not really sure what that's about. So she stays behind and I've heard different versions of it where she lays down in and like tries to go to sleep and just wait for her boyfriend to come back. I've also heard that like um, during that time she turns on the radio and she hears that, you know, a killer is like broken out of the state hospital hospital yeah yes (laughs) and then all of a sudden she hears like scraping on the side door or she sees like a shadowy figure but either way when she sits up she sees like her boyfriend's head (laughs) 
decapitated oh. head on the hood of the oh, car. Oh, see? I was not going um, there at all. Like, I did not expect Oh, really? Have you, you? So you've never heard this? No, I've heard maybe a different version that when she heard on the radio... A guy from the state hospital has been released. He has a hook for a hand. Have you heard that? Yes. And yeah, then the, the hook, hook is ends always... up in the car. Is that like yeah? They, the they hook is like get hanging. away. But they. Yeah. But when they get out of the car, the hook is hanging. That's where I thought you were going. Okay, but no, we're yeah. We're this on one the is sort of a variation. Okay. It's like a, a mixture of all of it. Like, she hears the hook, she sits up, her boyfriend's head's on the car. You know, <laughs> exactly. just your typical date. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think just urban legends have the potential to be anything they want to be, right? I mean, through time, they're going to develop and be bigger than maybe the little story they started out to be. You know, it's hard to say. Well, and it sounds like throughout, like, history and culture, you know, it starts out as a way to scare people or, like, get kids not to do things, which is what a lot of, like, fairy tales were, too. Like, if Hansel and Gretel or all these, like, fairy tales where some fucked up adult was making up a really fucked up story so that kids wouldn't do things instead of just paying attention to their kid why not no I don't know but why make up the stories so yeah there's like some some reason why these stories have gotten like you know blown into what they are they are but I think a visit to Cannon Beach would be fun for us you know there I have some little facts written down Cannon Beach was actually in Goonies do you remember that movie Goonies they're yeah, opening Goonies yes the first opening uh chasing scene was shot there at, and you can see Haystack Rock that's in Cannon Beach so I mean I I definitely want to visit Cannon Beach it might be a worth us like going out at night acting like we're teenagers you want to try to find the bandage man maybe of cannon beach we'll watch goonies first and then we'll go to go check out the bandage man it could be worth it you never know i I think think, so you know at this point we want to know what you want to hear we've talked about doing db cooper right i mean we've thrown it out there we just don't know if we should do it do you want to hear about db cooper if you do you need to email us today and let us know we're kind of on the fence with it it's it's a story that's been around forever there's a lot of urban legends surrounded around that story so I like mean, who he was and who where he, he ended was up and... exactly like so i don't know i I have investigated it and kind of written notes down about him, but I've heard it so many times that I'm kind of like, I don't know if anybody wants to hear more about D.B. Cooper. But if you do, email us. Let us know. We don't know. Should we do cases from other places? We've primarily stuck with Oregon just because, you know, that's where we're from. But we've thought about covering cases from other places should we do that if you have another case from another place even though it's not in Oregon let us know about it if it's something that interests you it might interest us and we might want to talk about it also we're throwing out there Christine 
like, why do we watch the stuff we do? Why are we interested in the stuff we do? With all this time on my hands, you know, I have a busy day job where I am sitting at my computer for 12 hours a day. While I'm doing that, I always have something on in the background. Like, I have to. And usually it's a documentary. Just the other day, Netflix released a show about Chris Watts. He was that horrible person that killed his wife and two kids. And I don't, I'm sitting there watching it end up bawling, like crying while I'm trying to work. And I'm thinking, why the F do I listen and watch some of this stuff? Why do I feel compelled to do it? I I have this ache in my heart when I'm sitting there watching it, but I still want to watch it. I don't know. I, Mm -hmm. I, I know. And I know you're like that. And I, a lot of people aren't like that and that can just tune a lot of that shit out. But I do, I am compelled to watch stuff like that. I, and we do want to hear what have you watched lately that has compelled you to feel something? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We want to hear about it. Have you watched that yeah. yet? I haven't. I'm planning on it. I'm with you on it. Like, I kind of know a lot about it already, but I will probably watch it too. Well, what's really sad, just briefly talk about it, just because I'm a little bit passionate about it right now. And I think as I was sitting there watching it, what makes it so fascinating is that Shanann, the victim, she posted a lot on her social media. So a lot of this is stuff that she posted personally to her social media. So they had a lot to go back and look at and it just makes it, it's just even more heart wrenching to watch Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. that personal aspect of it. And it got me thinking like, should we be posting every aspect of our lives on our social media page? I don't know. Like I know a lot of people do and I have friends that post a lot of their daily life. And I, I look at, some of my friends on my feed and I wouldn't know what's going on in their lives unless I saw it on the Facebook feed. So there's a part of me that's very thankful for it and I can be thankful for social media. But then there's a part of me that watches something like this and is like, wow, our society has gone a little too far with the pressure to put your shit out there. I'm just saying like it's, it's crazy. You could get really sucked into it. Yeah, I agree. Like, I've definitely seen parts of where she posted and kind of like portrayed this fairy tale life of sorts. And that's what we do, right? Like, we often, I mean, I appreciate the times when people use the format as a way to really be realistic with what's happening in their life and to get support and connect with other people that are struggling. But often we put stuff that's good. So we look like we're doing better than we actually are. But then even when I see someone post something bad, like, I'm like, why the F would you put that on Facebook? Like, (laughs) I don't know. That's true. There's just a fine line. Something to think about, I think you're right. I think it's a balance. Yeah. It is a huge balance. Everything. There's a balance with everything. But right now, you are going to read us our next story that was emailed into us. I'm excited to hear it. I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm excited to read it. Okay. Dear Christine and Kim, I just want to start by saying that I really have been enjoying your podcast and all the realness of your conversation. I can't wait to hear more. 
Thank you. Thank you. I know. I thought I would share a creepy story of mine that I experienced a few years ago. Maybe it will just be a fun read for you. A few years ago, I moved to Oregon. I did what a lot of lonely 20-somethings do that are new in town, and I downloaded the infamous app Tinder. Not long after, I met a guy from the area. Let's just call him Rob. We had gone on a couple of dates and seemed to get along fairly well and shared similar viewpoints. It was our third or fourth date, and he suggested that we hike a larger hill or a small mountain called Grizzly Peak. After I mentioned that I wanted to get to know some of the hiking hotspots nearby. We planned to go after work on a weekday. Because of this, it was already dark by the time we arrived at the trailhead because the sun was setting early due to the fact that winter was just beginning. We were the only car in the parking lot. I was a little hesitant of getting in trouble because a lot of public hiking places will close at dawn, and I had experiences in the past regarding trespassing and road gates being locked, and I don't want to relive that again. Little did I know that was the last thing I should have been worried about that night. Okay, we put our hiking boots on and Rob popped his truck to get a heavy-duty flashlight, probably his trunk. He proceeded to also pull out a handgun. I was shocked because I had been around firearms less than a handful of times in my life. He said that he brought it to protect us from bears and cougars. I instantly said, um, no, I'm not going into the woods with those. I'm not going into the woods with you if you bring that. I stared at the dark black weapon in his hand. It literally looked like what people in action movies use to kill. He tried to coerce me into holding it and reassure me that we would be safer if he brought it with us. I am proud that I stood my ground and did not agree to any of that. I literally have listened to true crime stories that start similarly to this one and don't end well. There is no way I'm going to trust a gun-carrying guy I barely know to lead me into a pitch-black woods that I've never been to and that we... We're completely alone in. Good job listening to your friggin' gut. My goodness. Good job. Yeah. So we went into the woods with just the flashlight. Not the gun. But not before. (laughs) Not the gun. But not before I made sure to actually watch him put the gun into the trunk and lock the car. We were walking for about 20 minutes. He was constantly scanning the surrounding forest with his flashlight to see if there was anything around us. I told him to stop because I was getting creeped out. Honestly, I was afraid of seeing something I didn't want to. Something supernatural. I had watched the Blair Witch Project at a really young age and never really have recovered from it. Yes. I don't think I have either. I mean, no. That was so scary. I still watch it. Yes. I know. Still like one Try of the best to figure out, out if they're fingers, you know, that he get, she unwraps that. And I always like pause it and look, are those... Is it his tongue? Is it his fingers? Like, what? what is that? We need to watch it again. Continue. I was watching my feet as we walked by, side by side. Suddenly, he grabbed my arm and whispered, look. As he directed his flashlight to the woods, in front of us, probably 20 to 30 yards away, were two big, bright eyes shining in the dark, looking directly at us. I thought, oh, fuck no. 
He was telling me not to move and to stay still. He shined the flashlight away from my eye, from the eyes and told me we had to slowly walk back and it was important not to run. Before we started moving, he shined his flashlight back in the direction of the eyes and they were still there. I don't know what I was scared more of, seeing them still there or seeing them gone. They were at eye level with me and I am five feet, seven inches tall. We both tried to make out what it was, whether it was a deer, a bear, or what. We didn't know. We couldn't see any outline because the flashlight wasn't bright enough to reach that far to get more than just the reflection of the eyes. I instantly started speed walking, which turned into a run. Rob physically grabbed my arm and told me not to run. I ripped my arm from him and left him in the dust. I wasn't going to listen to this dude's advice. He could walk all he wanted but that would mean he'd be the easiest prey, and I didn't care. I was getting out of there. I don't know what was more unexplained about this experience, the big glowing eyes of some unknown creature we saw, or the fact that I agreed to go into the woods in the first place. What happened to Rob and I? We saw each other a couple more times, but ultimately parted ways. It was for the best. Thanks yes. for reading. That was awesome. Thanks for sending that in. That. Yeah. What I love about that story is uh, whoever it was listened to their gut. And we're always talking about that. Like when you have that feeling that something is not right, do not ignore it. Listen to it and, and she did that. So, yeah, I don't know what that was. I don't know what that was, but that sounds like an urban legend to me. Like, or, you know, it could have, could turn into some kind of an urban legend, right? It totally could have turned into something. (laughs) Like the next time we hear about it, he will have his gun. He (laughs) will. Yeah. So. And she sees a hook hanging from the tree. Exactly. They shot at it a few times and then went. I know. So what if the gun happened there and he started shooting at something? What I thought, that gun wasn't going to save you with the glowing eyes, buddy. Like what's no way those whatever that was out there. She had the best idea. Yes. Run. Get the F out. Thank you. Or don't go at all. I know. Or don't go at all. That is yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, So we're going to wrap it up from here, I guess. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. We will be back. We have some fun things coming up that we're going to cover and talk about. And we just hope that you're enjoying this because we are enjoy putting it out there. Right? Yeah. And Kim, we need to talk about a trip. We either need to go into the woods. We need to go to Cannon Cannon Beach. Beach. We have the Bigfoot trap in Rouge, Oregon. We have to go to the Bigfoot. We also need to go into my basement. So we have a lot planned. Oh, and waffles. Can we make waffles? Yes. Of course we can. So we have a lot of things that we are going to be doing and reporting to all of you. We just need you to tune in. All right. I think I'm going to go have a beer. Uh, sounds good. <laughs> sounds so good. Love you, Kim. Okay. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> Bye. Bye.